Hello, friends, and welcome to Northern Static, the show where Canadian composers tell us about the state of their art. I'm bassist and composer Pete Johnston, coming to you straight from the heart of British North America. On this show, I talk to composers from a range of musical scenes to find out how they make their music, why it sounds the way it does, and most importantly, what they think we should be listening for when we hear it. In this episode, I talk to trumpet player and composer Lena Alamano, international improviser and leader of influential Toronto bands such as the Lena Alamano 4 and Titanium Ride. Lena's been on the bleeding edge of the jazz scene here in Toronto for over 20 years, bringing her incisive trumpet playing to everything from the back sessions of big bands to solo improvised concerts. She'll tell us all about it right here on Northern Static. Welcome to episode two of Northern Static. The concept for the show is simple. I sit down and talk with composers about their creative processes, and they play me some compositions of their choice as examples of what they do. Think of it as a group listening session where the creator of the music is there to guide us through how and why they make the music they do. Today, I'm very pleased to offer you all some words and music from Lena Alamano. Lena and I had a lively chat, and she talked me through two pieces that I think blur the lines between band and composition. Originally from Edmonton, Lena came to Toronto to study at the University of Toronto in the 1990s, and since then has made a name for herself as an inventive improviser and leader of adventurous, freewheeling jazz bands. I came to know Lena's music through her residency at the Transac in Toronto, where her band, the Lena Alamano 4, has worked a late shift on the second Sunday of every month for over a decade now. Lena's compositions for this band are both lean and catchy, offering the players in the group strong melodic and rhythmic premises upon which to build group improvisations. While Lena plays in many other groups, both in Toronto and in Berlin, her deep collaboration with saxophonist Brody West, bassist Andrew Downing, and drummer Nick Frazier has resulted in continually inspiring listening experiences for me over the years, both live and on record. This is a true working band in the classic jazz sense of the word, where it's difficult to tell where the composer's prescriptions end and the player's interpretations begin. The chordless instrumentation and basic melodic frameworks of this band evoke an obvious comparison with Ornette Coleman's classic quartet, but this group has achieved such a synthesis between the four players and Lena's compositions that it's its own beast entirely at this point. We'll hear a few examples from this group that Lena wanted to play for us. As an editorial note to our discussion, this conversation was recorded in June 2017, and Lena has released a few records since then, including the ones she discusses here as unreleased recordings. Please forgive the time delay and be sure to track down all of Lena's records at her website, lenaalamalo.com, or on her Bandcamp page. Lena's other groups and musical associations came up in our conversation, most notably her improvising quartet Titanium Riot, but the two examples she chose to play for me were by her primary compositional project, the Lena Alamano 4. Titanium Riot is a true delight, so I don't want to miss an opportunity to put that music out into a few more ear holes. So, to set up my conversation with Lena, we'll play the title track from their most recent album. This is Squish It.
Lena Alamano. <laughs> Welcome hey. to Northern Static. Hey, oh, nice. Northern Static. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, it, as I think about it, it's weird to welcome you because we are in your kitchen. Oh, yeah. Well, is that weird? No, no, oh. I feel like we're in your uh, northern static zone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you think that. And thanks so much for agreeing to be here. Or, I mean, you're at home for agreeing to let me be here <laughs> with you. Hey, uh, I'm thrilled. Maybe you'd be here otherwise. But <laughs> I would be here talking to an imaginary Pete. Right. Maybe. <laughs> well, <laughs> so this is a lot more interesting for me that you're Good. actually yeah, here. Yeah, but yeah, I'm far better imagined than I am real. <laughs> Come on. So my mother tells me. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, boy. No, my mother and I don't talk about that kind of thing. I don't know what she imagines. So really keen to talk to you about your music and very grateful that you are in Toronto and not in Berlin, where you usually are. Well, I, know, I would usually, say usually. Often, isn't that usually? No yeah. Right. I know I it's a question that's coming up so often now that I don't really know how to deal with it. But I think the thing I've come up with lately is that I live in Toronto. Clearly, you can see you're in my kitchen. But I go to Berlin often. Okay. But I am in Toronto more often. Okay. I have to be. So Good. So that's... Well, you're here now. That's the important thing. Exactly. So uh, I've been admiring your music for a very long time. <laughs> And your musicianship. Likewise. And, and your, your composing. And so I've always had a lot of questions about your your mm. music. So you came to Toronto from Edmonton. Was there That's true. Was there something in yeah, between? I t- no, I uh, was born in Edmonton and I came to Toronto when I was, uh, I think I was still 18. I may have just turned 19. No, I think I was just about to turn 19. So you grew up playing the trumpet, obviously, and um, when did you start composing, and what is it about music that got you thinking about trying to write it yourself? Uh, Well, I think I officially wrote my first tune maybe at like the end of high school, because I played that tune in college. I remember So you showed up with a tune in hand. Yeah, I can't remember exactly the timeline, but there was a tune that I had written at some point around then that I played on a recital at college. So I don't remember if I did too, had too many attempts before that, um, but then after that it seemed to go over pretty well. I got you know some some positive responses, and then I thought, oh yeah, okay, I'll just I'll continue. And then also all the guys I was listening to and the people that I uh, kind of wanted to be like, I guess, were writing really cool. Well, they were mostly, well, no, some of them are alive still, but um, you know they were writers as well as amazing. So I I thought that was sort of the model. Like, okay, you can't just play. You have to also compose. And who were some of those people? Um, Like Wayne Shorter, uh, Miles Davis. But, oh, Miles didn't really write too much. I guess he was more of the band leader. He claims that he did. No, you're right. Okay, sorry, I don't know. I just, Miles was a big figure. Well, he Uh, played original music in his band. Yeah, but it was all Wayne's stuff. Yeah, I know, but but in listening to the band, you're you're not, they're not just, they're not playing standards. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, hmm. Hmm. I should have thought a little bit more about the answer here before blurting out silly things. I don't know, for some reason, yeah, I really, uh, Wayne Shorter was, like, I just thought he was the, yeah, like, the world of the coolest tunes. Uh, there was a certain point I was also listening to a lot of, um, well, you know, that kind of that kind of group of guys from the, in the 60s that were doing that kind of, like, you know, Herbie's or whatever, and... Uh, also, I was listening to Tom Harrell a fair amount, who mm. was also writing some nice tunes, and I don't know, nothing, you know, nothing, uh, I don't think that anything's surprising, like, I don't have any surprising answers. 
what did it seem that was special or useful about those tunes that they were doing that, that appealed? Oh, Monk, too. Well, it just, yeah, it seemed like that's that, that was a way of, uh, you know, of expressing yourself as, a, as an artist. I just sort of thought that that was kind of part of the deal. I mean, I never, uh, yeah, I, I guess I didn't really think of it as, or never really have thought of it of myself as being a composer. Like, I would never just say I'm a composer. I would say I'm a trumpet player and composer or improviser and composer, but I wouldn't, I generally wouldn't just say I'm a composer. I don't feel confident enough about hmm. it. Or so I have. Does that trouble you, <clears throat> that designation? No, I just feel like I, like, if I was a real composer, you know, I, I should have much more body of work and. All I've ever done is written for my my acoustic band. But so, you've written a lot of music for that band. Fair amount, but I mean, not compared to some people. I mean, it's not much. It's pretty, <laughs> it's not that much. I mean, I've recorded most of the tunes I've written. Uh, there's Now there's a pile that I haven't recorded, but you could easily count the number. It's not like there's hundreds somewhere that I <laughs> have. In. So I would just write, you know, six or seven tunes every one or two years is not that much. Because you're also studying um, jazz improvising, right? But it seems that musicians that appealed to you were the ones who were also writing their own material yeah, and, and so. known. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I haven't really thought about this. No one's ever asked me this specifically, so I haven't thought about it till now. But, but now that I think about it, yeah, a lot of the stuff I was listening to is people writing their own music. I mean, aside from Miles. But I, I feel like, yeah, his band leading and his stylistic ideas were almost equivalent to being a composer in some ways. For sure. You know? But yeah, I don't know. I guess I just thought that was... I mean, I never really had the confidence to think, like, I, I could I could also be as great as, as them. But that kind of just... I just kind of kept doing it, uh, hoping that... Well, why do people compose? Um at the first, maybe I just thought it was a good thing to do and I, I thought it was fun and I would try it and stuff. But I, now at this point, I feel like I started really writing for my quartet because like by playing other people's music or even just improvising, I wasn't hearing the music I wanted to hear. The only way I can hear the music I want to hear is by creating it myself because I know what it is. Or sometimes I don't know what it is that I want to hear, but I work it out and I was like, oh yeah, I really, I really want to hear this. Like this is... I guess that's why I guess that's why you write it because you you want to hear it yes. and it's different than what somebody else wants to hear. Or I mean of course there's other reasons to compose like if you're going to compose for a film soundtrack there's there's going to be a lot of other uh reasons to compose and you know what you're trying to create is, is you know there's different things going on but I think for what kind of music you and I do like to generalize I I think we're just motivated because we, we want to just create something that's unique to ourselves and that's what we wanted to hear. So it's not like, yeah, there's some other thing like, oh, I wanted to, I want to be, uh, or I want to fulfill this need that somebody else needs. To, I don't know. I'm really being vague here. In your music, there's an intimate connection between the composing and, and the band. Mm-hmm. I could think about your music and let me know what you think of this idea of the, like the composition is the band. Yeah, you've, got, you've had well, you've yeah. had a steady group of people you've mm-hmm. been working with for like a long 12 time. Twelve years now, or something, right? Or maybe even no, yeah, I think twelve years. Well, yeah, but that that also developed because I think at first, when the band was first starting in two thousand and five, I had been writing for a different group actually before that a quintet, and then uh, when I started, you know, my my quartet, Lean Elemental Four, 
Oh no, there was the the original Lean Alamano Four, which I was also writing for, which was completely different, with David Acapinti on guitar and Anthony McKelly on drums. Andrew was also in that group, though. Andrew Downing on bass, yeah. So anyway, so the the current group with Brody West, Andrew Downing, and Nick Fraser and myself. That's when uh, I started to really write for the people. So I think the first album we made, which is, I think, Pink Eye, I feel like it was this sort of transitional thing. Like it wasn't quite, it still wasn't quite right. We still hadn't quite, I hadn't developed the composing, the composition style yet. It's like it's been, it's been developing over the years. And for each batch of new compositions, I think I got better and better at writing for the group you just have a chance to figure it out. It's like, okay, I know if I write this kind of thing, this is going to trip up this person. I don't want to trip them up. I'd like to, you know, write something that I think they'll they'll have fun playing and that's going to sound really great together. And Or like, you know, sometimes I, there was, I think on the, on the last batch or two batches ago, I was really trying to highlight some stuff for Andrew because he's so virtuosic on the bow. And so I thought like, I'm going to just see how far I can go here. And I brought him a couple of things. It was just like, wow. And he pulled it off. But it was really, you know, if, if I didn't have him with his skills, I wouldn't have written that particular music in that way. Mm. So, yeah, I've definitely, I, I think I've, I think you're right. It's it's kind of, um, I'm using gestures here that you can't see. but <laughs> It's not a <laughs> I'm visual medium. A lot, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, good. How I communicate mostly is through gestures. <laughs> so <laughs> just imagine the gestures I'm right. making right now. With that sort of thing in mind, like if we think about the flip side, can you imagine playing those tunes with other people or do you bring those tunes mm -hmm. to play with other people or are they very specific? Well, that's a that's that? a good that's a really good one too, because I have I have brought the tunes and, and I generally find of course other musicians are also, you know, fantastic and wonderful. It doesn't totally translate a lot of the times. So now I'm trying to keep that in mind and now I'm trying to write for a group in Berlin a little differently to try to, to uh, you know, make it work a little bit better. And yeah, because I, it, yeah, it was interesting to bring stuff to other people and, and realize like, oh yeah, I guess it, it really is specifically for this band. And even just the way we approach improvising within the context of composition is pretty unique to that band. I, I don't know. I'm, other people are doing it. I just mean like it's, it's become this unspoken thing now because it's been so many years we've been developing this way of playing together that I know I can bring this stuff to them and I don't have to, I don't have to have any instructions. We don't even really have to speak anymore. We just, I just put it in front of them and they kind of know. And even I, while we're playing, sometimes I make some decision, a musical decision, like, oh, I want to play that material again. Suddenly it just, they're just with me. They're just there playing it. And I didn't have to do anything. Like I, maybe my, I twitched or something. I don't know mm -hmm. how they knew. But they just know. But with other people that don't know my my writing or don't know my playing as well, of course that does that stuff doesn't happen. So ha things have to you have to talk about it like okay, here's how I'm thinking about this and this. So I, it's a different process, and I think I think I realize now that it, yeah, writing for other people is, is totally different. So which I want to start doing. I'd like to be able to write for for other people too. That would be fun. And actually, I have to start doing because I got asked to, to write some things for some other people and other ensembles and it's going to be interesting to see how to approach that. So you're going to approach it differently. Yeah, I haven't quite figured out how yet. You don't know what the other people will do. And that's, yeah, that's going to be a learning, learning curve too. 
and maybe, I guess a developmental process too, because I'll figure out, I'll bring some stuff and I'll go like, oh yeah, all right, so this is how other people might react to this, even mm -hmm. the way the chart looks or what kind of words you're using to describe what you want to happen or, yeah, I don't know how things are laid out. I mean, I, I don't use chord symbols or anything like that. So I think, I think although the, most of the people that I'm working with now are pretty comfortable playing music that doesn't have chord symbols. Thank God we've God. we've got to that point. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. There was a point where people I would bring stuff and they'd be like, "There's like this isn't enough information." I'm like, "Well, there's there's three notes, you know, that's a chord. If you want it to be a chord, then play the three notes. You'll hear what it is." Anyway, so it it seems in in the band that there's lots of different ways that collaboration kind of works. You are the principal composer in your group. How would you characterize the collaboration? Mm-hmm. You mean as far as the composition? Yeah. Or the like the way we improvise or Yeah, all that. All that, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a collaborative element of some sort. I would hesitate to use it with a capital C because I feel like we develop certain things or you know, like for instance, I don't I don't write drum parts and I very rarely well no, it's not it's not I was gonna say I rarely tell Nick what to do, but I, I think I do, but I kind of just say like you know, here's kind of what I was thinking, but and he'll do a few things. And usually I don't say, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. Cause I'm not sure what I want. I, I want him to do something magical, but there's oftentimes I've said, don't do that. Like what, do something else. Just don't do that. Well, I'm pretty open with the drum stuff. So if you asked him, maybe he would say it's his part is fairly collaborative, I guess. Cause I certainly don't specify what he should do, but, but while we're rehearsing and while we develop each composition, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I know what I don't want when I hear it, <laughs> which I think may be annoying for him because all he's getting is negative, like, don't do that. <laughs> and do you rehearse the tunes a bunch? Like, do they change substantively in, in rehearsal? Um, There have been a few, a few things here and there that have changed a bit, but normally I, like what I used to do when we had more time, I guess, together because now everyone's so busy that you know we don't have as much mm. time to rehearse but um i would i would have um something and then you know to bring for rehearsal and then for the next rehearsal i'd have changed a bunch of things but i you know i'd, I'd record it and we'd have discussions and so then i would come back and yeah revise and there, there were oftentimes i would revise and revise and revise and but now i feel like like i've figured it out more now so now it's easy for me to just write something and then Maybe I make one revision, but it's just a small thing. Like, you know, once you hear people playing it and it's like, ah, oh, it's not quite what I wanted. So I'm going to give this other part to Brody instead. And that's, oh, that's perfect because it sits really nice on the saxophone or whatever. So sometimes just that kind of thing. But yeah, there, at certain points there we were doing more kind of discussion about things. I think at this point we don't do much. Like we just play through the material in a rehearsal just to get familiar with it. And then we don't really have to talk much about it later i mean unless something's really not happening the way i want it to because sometimes you know you fall into something and then if i don't say anything they'll think oh that's how she she likes it or wants it to go and at some point i'm like dude don't do that <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know if that's i don't know if you consider that part of the composition or, or not i think that's more about the, the way we approach playing together or something that begs the question then what's the difference between the realization of the thing and the thing on paper yeah. Right, like the thing on paper is what it is, but if, as you say, if you hand it to a bunch of other people, it's going to sound 
yeah. totally different. So is it not a compositional act to make calls and rehearsals and mm-hmm. ask people to remember certain things? And, yeah. And then it'll sound the way it is because of those calls. Yeah, for sure. But I think also because um, well, because we're just so open about things, sometimes when we play something, you know, repeatedly on a tour or whatever, inevitably we start finding some different stuff. And mm. that's often the times that I am most excited. So I'd be like, whoa, this is something I did not think of. This sounds way better now. Right. Or or just, or it may, may never happen again. We did this one cool thing where we layered all these sections together. Brody was doing this section while I was playing this and Andrew was doing another thing. And like, like whoa, that's amazing. I didn't, I didn't think of actually us playing the composition like squashed all together it was like across parts where people were doing stuff. But that's what I find is exciting is once we get to that point where we can really take the written material and just keep right. finding new stuff to do with it. Because there's lots of um, improvising in, mm-hmm. in the music. It's primarily improvised. What to you is the relationship between the composed and the improvising? And how do you work with those ideas? Oof. I guess that's one of the things I really find interesting about this way of playing uh, or composing and playing is, you know, it does get a bit unclear. Is that how, how is it written or what's written? Clearly there's something written because people are playing unisons or you keep hearing the same theme or something, but I really like it when it's, it's a little bit hidden in with the improvising and, but the improvising, I, I want it to have, uh, I don't think, I don't think I'm answering your question, but like I always think, like I want the improvising to be specifically related to the the composed material. That's the whole point for me. We're not just playing free or just improvising, and then we play this written thing, and that's that's it. It's kind of generally seamless, I guess, or something. I guess I'm wondering if the compositions are intended to set up a particular vibe or zone in which mm-hmm. some music will happen right. that then is different than the next one right? <laughs> or, the, or the previous one that you're right. going yeah. to play. And uh, yes, but I think sometimes it's just sort of inherent in, in the, the thing that's composed, but it's not like I'm trying to make it, oh, I don't know. I think it's just, you know, we play a set of music. So sometimes it depends where the composition is in the set and it will completely change the character of the, that performance of it. I've, I've definitely been through lots of those before. It was like, oh, suddenly tonight this was kind of a ballad or something. But other times it's like, you know, some crazy right. exciting thing. I was like, okay, that's cool. We can do that. But yeah, sometimes the writing, you know, it's pretty obvious that it's has this certain character. And so we kind of gravitate towards that kind of character. But now a lot of the stuff I'm writing is, is a little more sketchy and I know not sketchy, but, um, it's it's quite open and sketch-like, so that it's open to this kind of thing. Right. So we don't, you know, like, does it even matter anymore what the set list is? Because we'll make it different. We found in the studio, or I found, was we just play a set of music and just keep changing up the order, and it's we're going to get a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. Depends what you just played before, and <laughs> you want it to be different. I don't want every tune to sound the same and have the same shape and have this, you know... But then occasionally, sometimes, like, sometimes what happens when you're improvising, because it's just, just sort of thematic material, sometimes I get, I forget what composition we're playing at that particular <laughs> moment. And then I feel uh, that the other, you know, a theme from another 
composition and it just comes out and I play it and then I'm like, okay, I'm really confusing them now. Right, right, right. But everyone seems to think it's funny. It's like I'm just kind of, it's like self-reflexive, whatever. I don't know. It's like you have quoting, quoting your own music. I haven't been able to properly articulate what it is that I that we're doing. So I'm not sure that I'm totally getting to the point or something. Or I don't know. I, I just feel like I need to refine how I talk about my own what I'm what I'm trying to accomplish. I mean, you'd think I'd be able to at this point. I've written enough grant applications, but <laughs> yeah, tell me in 750 words. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> your musical goals and how it's going to impact your community. Yeah, okay, right. Go. Uh, right. <laughs> what do you see as the role of the listener in your Ooh. in your compositions? Like, what? I feel like this is somebody who really thinks that the music is way too challenging would ask me. I feel defensive right away when you oh. ask me that question. <laughs> okay. They're like. Do you ever consider the listener when you're writing this shit? <laughs> well, no, nobody can understand, and it well, sounds like noise. Uh, maybe that, but also maybe what, if it's important, what the listener may be able to deduce from the music. Well, I think there's a well, there's a big, there's a big role, of course. I mean, everybody wants to play their music for somebody, not just themselves. I mean, primarily, you're like we talked about, you're writing music. You, right, speaking for myself, that I want to hear, so. When I'm composing, I'm very self-centered and I'm only thinking of myself. I don't, but I don't know how else to be an artist. I'm using quotes. Yeah, so I, of course, I think when I'm composing, I just I, there's nothing else in my mind except for myself. But I, but I want to be able to convey the music to other people, and I, I'm not trying to make it accessible in any way, but. There have been times where I definitely remember thinking, I really like this theme, and this is kind of the main theme. I want it to be heard quite a few times so that it's really... But I, I guess I'm thinking more in musical terms. Like I'm thinking it's it's the main thing I'm trying to get across. So I don't, I don't know if this really ties in with the listener thing, but I, I guess it's sort of... I'm, I'm Because for me, yeah, of course I know how the theme goes. I wrote it, and mm -hmm. it's in my head. So I could just play it once, and it's clear to me. But I want—I really want other people to to pick up on it too. So that to hear clear. it as the important part of right. The... And I'm still—I think I'm still maybe because of my background with the jazz compositions, and that's how I kind of grew up thinking about music. Um, so I still am thinking about writing songs, kind of. There's still some form of a song there, like a jazz oh, song. Okay, something. what does that mean to you? Like a frame of song. And I think I just, I also just realized that's not totally true anymore. I'm not, I'm I don't talking. mean, anyway, I don't mean the semantics of the word song, right, right, right. but what, it, what you're calling um, them songs. Well, and... because I, I write, in, I, I write melodic things. And okay. even though some people might not consider it melodic because they don't under, understand or to them, it's out of, it's out of their context of whatever, of what music sounds like. So not, of course, not everyone's going to think that what I'm writing are melodies, but for me, it's, it's quite melodic. Uh, it might be dissonant or whatever, but um, I think it's pretty clear. It's not atonal music. It's not quarter tone stuff. Like it's still based on, yeah. I guess that's what I meant by song. So it's an abstraction. I think. I think is what, what I'm doing. Is I'm I'm still kind of thinking of songs, but they're just becoming more abstract or dissonant or open or. I think, although re more recently I've been interested in 
sort of contemporary classical composition, which I hadn't been before. So there's a lot of stuff that's just like I'm, it's all new for me and I'm, I'm definitely affected. My composition has been kind of affected by that, that kind of stuff too. The new stuff, which I don't have documented yet, there's a bunch of that stuff that's coming more from that end of composition, which is less about song-based forms and etc. What what is what is different, or what is replacing the song m- melody song? Like what? What's well, there's different? still melodies and things, but I I think I'm get I don't know how to describe it yet because it's still kind of a new thing for me. But um, the the themes are maybe. I don't know. It's just the forms are different. So it's less about like maybe two main themes, like more of a, like, you know, in, in a traditional jazz tune, there would be kind of an A section and a bridge. And so kind of two contrasting sections. And then you go back to the the first one or whatever. So I think the stuff I've been writing more recently, like in the past year or two, have been more like based on thematic elements that might be developed through the composition and it, I don't know, the structure is different as well as the intention. I don't know how to be more or how to be less vague about it. <laughs> I don't, really don't know. I haven't quite. Could you be more vague? Yet. Yeah. Yeah. I probably could be more vague. Okay. Yeah. All right. But, um, there, but yeah, there's a couple of new things. And like Brody was saying the other day, like, cause it, it were, you know, at the rehearsal, people are trying to people, my guys are trying to figure out what I mean, but they're just looking at the sheet cause they don't, they don't know what, you know, for them it's like, okay, what's this? So they don't know what I'm thinking. So when we started playing, I'm like, no, no, it's more like, you know, like, this kind of thing, which is not, doesn't really feel like jazz in a way, or it doesn't feel like a jazz intention or something. And I'm like, oh yeah, because I was listening to that Charles Ives piece, or I've been listening to, you know, Henry Cowell or whatever. Like That's what I was thinking about when I was writing it. I mean, not intentionally, but that's, I think that's the kind of thing that came out, like more of an orchestral thing and people are playing very deliberate parts, they're written parts. And mm. so I, I think right now I'm really interested in trying to bring that to my composition and then, and it's interesting to try to get, to get, well, the band's doing amazing stuff. Like I was just wondering how, how is it going to work? Because, you know, I have to tell Nick, look, play something very deliberate that sounds like you're reading a percussion part or like 10 percussion parts. <laughs> Beep, 10 percussionists, play some really cool, deliberate things, but improvise it. And, you know, within the context of what I've written, which is, is a departure from the thing I was saying, which is that I write kind of jazz, abstracted jazz songs. So I don't know. I'm complicating things here for the the interview. I'm sorry. For That's that. what I want to know about, right? Like, or what, like it seems like what you're marking is a shift from jazz melodic focused music to more gestural kind of forms that are not about following a melody or a theme through yeah although i, I think i'm still i have not heard the music so I no don't no know. right but i i think i think it's still clearly my compositional style like I, I i'm not really i totally know what you're saying and i love those ideas and you know but i'm still writing melodic bits to be to be clear about it i'm not writing like gestural things necessarily but I, yeah, so it's not as, it's not like it's getting more abstracted. There's still clear melodies written and there's still like contrapuntal parts. I usually write three parts, you know, and then Nick gets to do whatever he wants, kind of. But so I'm still. As I'm long st- as he doesn't do that. Yeah, just don't do that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so that's still 
See, I won't be able to sh to show you what I mean with any audio clips because they're not ready to be released yet. But um, I don't know. Well, tell me about your just your basic practice of how you put stuff together, how it is that you that you write, or when you write, or what tools you use for. Okay, for I'll say this. That's easy. Good. I don't have to think about it. I write on the on a keyboard of some sort. Like piano would be the best. But if I don't have that, then I use a digital piano. Sometimes I write things, parts of things on just on trumpet when I'm playing, but um, or I just write in my head, or I guess a combination usually. A lot of times I'm doing singing stuff in my head and playing the piano. And occasionally I'll start playing the, the trumpet, and but in the past definitely I played the piano to to write mostly, which is I don't know. I'm not a good piano player by any means, so it's not like you're not writing piano music. I'm not writing piano music for sure, yeah. And uh, I'm thinking about my band and about our voices when I'm playing the notes on the piano. So it's a little bit of a strange process because it's not, it's not really like, I don't know. It's like the piano is just my, this is a, this is a tool to get, so I can hear it a bit easier, like just to focus what's in my head to kind of get it. But then I know it's gonna also then it, it you know I know that it sounds different once we get the real instruments playing it that I want and. Also, you know, Brody plays the saxophone in a very particular way, very unique way. And so that's, you know, writing something for him is is pretty different than probably writing for some other saxophone player. So I always try to keep that in mind that, you know, I've got the sounds of, of, of the band in my head when I'm playing. But that's not what you were asking? Yeah, that's what you, I'm asking. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you write at the piano. Yeah, generally. Right. Yeah. And are you writing out by hand uh... Pencil, mm -hmm. staff, paper? Yeah, pencil and paper. I just recently learned how to use a music notation program, but I, that was like, I still had the, you know, the scribbles on the paper. That's definitely how I work. Scribbles on the paper, eraser, eraser bits all over the piano. Uh, and then now, but now I, I made a chart, you know, on the music notation program, but I have no idea how to use it. I don't use MIDI or any, I don't know anything about that stuff. <laughs> really uh, dark ages. So you're, Transferring from the... Yeah, just yeah. from the... Instead of writing it out nicely, you know, take it two hours to write each chart out nicely by hand, and I'm taking two hours to write <laughs> each chart on a music notation program. So I don't know if I'm going to continue with that or not. But but then I just thought, oh, then it's easier to print out parts when I'm here or there or whatever, you know. It generally is. I guess so. I mean, I could still... Or I could scan in the... I think ultimately you know. that's the most useful yeah. thing about it. You can just... I guess so. Crank out the parts. Right. More more easily. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe uh, we can listen to some music here. Okay. We can listen to some tunes and uh, you can tell us what we should be listening for. Well, mm, right. How you put it together or what, what you think the listener should could attend to. I don't know. We'll see. Because I haven't listened to this particular rendition of this tune for ages. But uh, Flummox, you've, I'm, you've heard us play this tune before it was yeah. is it, and now we're going back in the archives because uh i don't have the new stuff ready yet but so flummox is on live at the transac which is now how many years old i don't know i have to go get a copy of it but i thought the reason that would be a good one to bring up is because this thing about uh how we play things differently each time and this particular version of flummox we had never done this before and we've never done it since Whatever right. happened after we played the material, the thing that happens after that has never, ever happened before or again. And I just thought that was pretty cool. 
and that's the one that's on the record. And that's the one I chose for the record, yeah, because I just thought, oh, I really thought that was fascinating. And it really sounds like I wrote out this thing for them to do after the material, and Brody's playing this thing, and I'm like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't write that. But it's, you know, it's clearly related to the material. But it's a very simple, very simple composition.
applause. I forgot there was applause on the recording. I think I was there. Yeah, um, I think you were, actually. Um, that was Flummox. Mm-hmm. Lena Alamano 4, live at the Transac from 2012. 2012. Wow. Um, well, I remember I, I, I like the tune. We haven't played it for a while now. What do I like about it? It's really simple. Very clear, I think. I mean, there's there's basically, I feel like there's hardly anything there, but there's still what's there is rich in some way. There's just some very subtle rhythmic things. Like there's, I don't know. I, I, I remember, I, I like the way it's put together in this nice little package in some way. It's very short. There's just, and there's just two sections. One is, a, well, I mean, if you really want to break it down, there's basically just this one theme that oh do dee do do ding ding and then it kind of you know then there's a variation of do do dee do do ding and then it goes into a little vamps section that's only four bars so you repeated or not repeated there's hardly anything there but the band really has has their way with it and spins it out into seven seven minutes or however long it yeah what's how did that come about uh well that's what happens i'm lucky you know it's um I feel like the simpler and more clear it is, somehow the better it is for us. And I think that's my... I mean, I hear other people's music. I want to hear your music, for example. Like, I feel like there's much, there's much more substance. There's a lot more composition there. And I really love it. And it's got a lot of layers going on. And it's subtle. And it's complicated. And it's... Well, complicated is not the right word because it has a negative connotation. But... I just found I'm not that kind of a composer, I think. I'm more like, here are my ideas, you know? Like, I feel like I'm more like, hey, this is what I got. Here it is. So giving it to the band and yeah, and then it's seeing, like now, seeing now, what now, they, now what spin, spin some magic out of it. And I, I hope that the, the things that I'm, or the, I think the things that I'm, I'm happy with that I finish that are the compositions that I bring, they have, they have this kind of character to them. So anything that doesn't quite fit in with that, if I'm not, I'm not happy enough with it, like I've, be like, oh yeah, it was a it was a thing I wrote, but it doesn't really, it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't lend itself to, to spinning magic. But definitely, I'm not. I'm not. So s- some tunes get the axe. Yeah, usually they get the axe before it gets to the band. But occasionally there's been one or two, and I thought like, nah, we tried it a couple of times, and I just don't. It's just not. There's nothing there. I, I didn't right. think. But that usually it's because I didn't think there was anything there anyway, and I just hoped. <laughs> but then I realized <laughs> no, there really isn't. Right. Or it's just a seed for something. But it's not it's not a whole finished okay. composition. But this is one of these things that was so short, but I felt like it's 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 really it's got a thing. Like it's hmm. there's enough there. I didn't need to keep writing. But yeah, it's a different yeah, it's it's definitely a different style. And I, maybe that's one of the reasons I feel a little bit um hesitant to say I'm a composer. Cause I feel like this stuff is so simple that it's maybe simple isn't the right word because normally people have a hard time playing it, but <laughs> <laughs> not simple but just really what's the word then concise concise maybe i'm just curious what you think a composer capital c does that's different no, i than don't what... know i just feel like like there there should be a little bit more to it <laughs> like for me most of it is well not most of it but a big part of it is how the band plays it and right. how the how we come up with stuff and the magic stuff that happens with the material. So it's not just like the material on its own. Yeah, it's good and I, I like it and I, I'm committed to it and I feel strongly as presenting it. But but if you just play it once, like it'll take up two seconds and then that's it. Like 
So it's really a vehicle for something. It's not, I guess that's what I feel like, you know, when you listen to some orchestral thing where every note is composed for that many instruments for a huge period of time. I mean, that that was a whole different process. What I'm just doing is like, I feel like I can just crank this out and then the magic just happens when I bring it to the guys. But right. I don't have to sit there and labor over it for years <laughs> thinking about each note. And I just like, that's just overwhelming to think about how, People do that. It's incredible, but it's not the way my brain works, for sure. And because I'm an improviser, of course, right. I'm drawn to. Yeah, I, I'd like you, to create. The, well, I'd like to create the same ideas. I think that's what I'm trying to do now. When, when I was telling you, the kind of going in slightly a different direction with my composing now, because I'm really inspired by these kind of more composed orchestral contemporary classical stuff. But I want I want us to be able to improvise. So that it kind of has that same feeling. So the improvising is very important. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Yeah, of course it is. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Because you chose purposely in in this band, the Lena Mano Four. We're talking about plays compositions, mm-hmm. whereas that's right. Titanium Riot, your other band, does mm-hmm. not. Right. So that seems obviously it's a deliberate mm-hmm. choice around you know, what you're doing. Right. Yeah. And uh, and what you expect from the musicians. Right. Obviously. Anyway, I mean, I I, I, I want to be a composer and I, I want to write music. Well, you're on a show music. about composers. That's right. <laughs> it shouldn't be self-effacing about it. You got another uh, another piece? Yeah, okay. So I was thinking of Hush, which is... Uh, a very loud number. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. There's so many other... There's seven tunes on this album, so I could pick something else. But Hush is like, it's a, you know, it's a lovely, quiet piece. So it would be contrasting. Okay. From the same record. Same record, yeah. Track number five.
Right, that's hushed a little uh, slower number. Um, tell me about that. Um, well, I, I think I well, I like the I like the melody that I wrote, but um, it's very um, you know, it's not romantic, but it's it's, it's very uh, melodic kind of yeah. Like, and I I feel like this tune that I wrote was more like occasionally I write these kind of things where it really feels like a song, and when I'm playing it, it feels like it really um, there's a certain thing I need to do to get it across. So every time I play that song, it's a, it's a bit of an emotional thing for me. It requires a certain thing. And then sometimes a certain night or in a certain set, and we, if it's on the list, sometimes I'm like, you know what, I can't, I can't do that right now because it takes a certain thing. Is it, is it an extra musical connection to no, it? Or, no, no. or just, just the, the, no, sound, just, the sound you wanted? Yeah, just the, the way the... Yeah, the, just the material is very like... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. For me, it's like it's like you gotta either belt your heart out or don't do it. 
be like, if you're going to play Amazing Grace, you're not going to like just love, love, love. Right. Amazing Grace. I don't know. It's like, you know, you got to really commit to it. So I just feel like this this particular melody is something I feel really needs some kind of commitment. I I don't know what the point of that was. Yeah. But But then how were the musicians relating to the material on that particular recording of it? Hmm. Uh, well, I, I, we kind of talked through the listening to it, but I, as as I remember, uh, we kind of just developed an improvising an improvised thing that kind of just develops and develops, and uh, somehow it eventually gets back into the written material. It doesn't really stray. I don't think it strays too far, but it's kind of, but inevitably it gets back to the you know the part where I have to play melody again. That for me is. It's a, you know, it's a thing. So so the, the thing hangs around that, yeah. the melody. So it feels like I gotta, there's there's a climax when I get back to that, that part. An emotional climax of some kind. I guess. So I it's know. kind of a ballad. I guess so, yeah. And it's, you know, it's um very tonal. And I guess this one is much more focused in some ways. I mean, ah, so I don't know. You know what? Maybe a lot of my music is pretty clear what the harmony is but it's still open but it's it's clear right i think so <laughs> i don't know they, you know i mean there's some dissonance the melody sticks in there. around you can hear it when it comes yeah back. yeah the dissonance i hear uh in this example and in the previous one is um which is i think an interesting thing in sort of jazz-based musics is is from the interaction between parts not the individual, the parts themselves being yeah. being dissonant. So you, can, right. you might have a very tonal right. melody, yeah, and a tonal melody in the trumpet, and tonal melody in the bass, yeah. but they're not exactly in the same yeah yeah tonality. Yeah, yeah, good point. So mm-hmm. you get mm-hmm. you get dissonance there. I mean, that's what I always right. heard in Ornette Coleman's music. Right. If you just isolated any one of the tracks, it's not mm-hmm. dissonant or yeah. even that weird sounding. No, and that's that's a really good. Uh, I like that point because that's also another thing that I. I'm doing is when I'm writing, I'm, I'm writing the parts and, uh, I, I feel like each part is, is somewhat of a melody. I mean, sometimes Brody gets kind of shafted and he's just kind of boosting up my melody in some, some of the compositions, but yeah, I always want to make sure like I, you know, I'm very, I sing the parts to myself and I, you know, so each part is, is definitely, it's a melodic linear thing. So yeah, the parts themselves aren't dissonant, but yeah, you, stack them together and there's some minor nights and whatever or just the freedom of the players to mm-hmm. knit them together yeah. in certain ways or push and pull at it and brody's always pushing and pulling at the, yeah. at the intonation yeah adding to things that way yeah he's the magic wild card for me <laughs> and all he's also like he's my i don't know he's just my foil but he has he's been for so many years that i kind of don't even know how to describe it really anymore but mm-hmm. something about the way he plays and his his voice his sound it just feels like it's it makes what I do make way more sense. Like when he's there making his little contributions and like one without the other. Although that I did start the other band, you know, Titanium Riot. He's not in that one. So it's a different dynamic. But that really changes. Like as soon as you remove him from from the picture, from my picture, what I think I sound like, suddenly when he's not there, it's like, oh yeah, it's it's a, it's different because he's really creating. He's like I really. He, he's such an important part of my music. The notes that I'm writing for him are sometimes it's really boring. His parts like ba ba, you know, he's not getting the most exciting parts, but he makes up. The, the altos yeah, right, always have the most the, boring parts in the choir. Right. 
but then he gets to make up for for Cleo's bits usually. Anyway, we were talking earlier about just the instruments, and obviously being a trumpet player, it seems it's, it makes sense. You gravitate towards strong melodies. Yeah. That that's kind of what the trumpet is. Yeah, I mean, real it, good d- at. It doesn't have to be because for sure I know players who you know like Axel Derner. He's I mean he also does play in that way, but there's many times he's playing music that. There, it's still very clear and direct, for sure. It got that trumpet thing to it, but it's not about notes and melodies. It's about sounds. But uh, yeah, I, I really, I really uh, notice or take note of that part of the trumpet that it's it is very direct and it's very clear. And I think that's why I like to have uh, some other elements like the Brody element in there to just kind of make it a little make some more colors and uh, other activities that are less because as soon as I play a note it's like bam there's a it's a trumpet you know we just listened to some recordings here that are from a live album like do you make any distinction between the recordings of the compositions and the and performances mm-hmm. if you think about it differently when you're in the studio or whatever no no I'm always trying to get a good performance I mean that's the way we record too because uh, we've had the same recording engineer for our entire existence is Fedge, and he uh, he just records us all always the same, whether we're in the studio or live somewhere. So we're just in our usual formation as a band, and he just puts microphones in front of us, and away we go. Usually in the studio, I think it's nicer for him, and we could spread out a little bit, but there's still there's no so there's really no change for us. We we don't have headphones on. We can't possibly make any changes to the music we're playing. We just play. So I, the only thing that's nice about the studio is that I can, you know, we can do a bunch of takes of the same tune. And then I, like I was telling you, sometimes we switch up the order of tunes and then this tune hmm. goes differently. And so it's nice to have a few days in the studio to do that. But otherwise, no, this process is it's the same as performing. I mean, it is a performance, I would say. It's just there's nobody there <laughs> listening. But Has there been any... Um... Challenges in, in in doing what you do that have shaped the your composing practice. Well, no, because I mean I'm just be, I've been so specific about the whole my composing is just really just for my band and I've been pretty focused on that for well twelve years. So uh, I just make my own opportunities to, you know, I made this idea I wanted to make a record every couple of years, which I was doing for a while until the, <laughs> there was a gap. But uh, so, you know, that ma- motivates me to keep writing music for the band. I like to keep writing new music. So I just, you know, and I have a regular gig at the Transact, which allows a lot of things, facilitates a lot of this stuff. I don't have to worry too much. We go on tours and I don't know. I mean, it's all self-motivated. Uh, <laughs> just sort of have to make it happen if I want to do it. But just recently, people have been asking me to write other things, or I tried to write for other people, but that's pretty new for me. So, so we'll have know. to revisit that at, at yeah, another maybe. time. Yeah, but I, and I, yeah, I haven't really felt motivated to try to do anything else because I just, I just had that was my project, was my band, and I mm. just like to write for them. And so the composing is very specific. Is yeah, it's very specific. Band. Yeah, I guess maybe that's another reason I feel shy about saying I'm a big C composer. Because it's so specific that what I'm writing for, it's not like I'm writing also writing for a chamber ensemble or I'm writing like I, I've never done anything right. like that. And you're not writing music that just anybody could play. Right. I mean, oh, I mean, I suppose anyone could, but I'm not yeah. writing it for but anyone that's not to the, play. That's yeah, not the idea. It's so specific. So. And for yourself to play too, because I was thinking about that earlier today around sort of a little bit of the distinction around the composer and the composer performer. 
of which we are both mm-hmm. composer performers. They play mm-hmm. our own music and we write music for ourselves to play. And that seems to me a distinct position from a composer who's right. specifically writing music that, that, that another ensemble could, right. could play or writing you know, whatever chamber music. Or, mm-hmm. I guess that's what like I, that. yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. Cause yeah, every, I mean, yeah, I could say I'm writing for my band, but really it's just for me. <laughs> it's a vehicle for me to no, play. No, but your band is you in that way. Like I'm all right. Yeah. You could hand one of those charts to anybody and they could play it, but that's your intention is to play it yourself. Well, that's right. I guess that's what, I right. guess that's my point. Like that, the, right. That's the intention my, of the music. Is, that's my is, motivation is to give ourselves something to do. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Or, 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 or to different. give yourself. Yeah. It's like a way of how, how am I going to get my playing out into the world? Well, here's, here's how I want to write this music and I want to play it. I don't know. Is that a weird idea? To do no, that? no. But I think it is, it is um, distinct. Right. From, the kind of Eurocentric notion of what a composer is. So your reticence mm. around calling yourself a composer is totally understandable and, and tied into basically like the Beethoven myth of what a composer right. is. Somebody who's writing elaborate stuff and right. getting it performed by other people and they can be dead and it can still be performed. And, right, right. And I think in the jazz world, it's more imagined that, you know, we're going to play our music. Whatever, mm-hmm. maybe somebody will play it after we die. But but yeah. but, but that's not right. I'm, that was never the intention. I'm assuming I'm. I, this is the only. This yeah, is, this and, is and it. it may or may not be, but that's not the point. I think that right. it, it, if, if we look at what the intention is, or my, mm-hmm. you know, my intention, what I'm hearing, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'm wrong. That's how mm-hmm. I'm interpreting your intention. Yeah, totally. No, I mean that's my motivation. To give your band yeah. something to do, right, and something to play. Mm-hmm. It also helps to give it like it's the sound of the band is partially is the, is the composition style mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, occasionally we throw in an ornette tune, or we used to, I don't know, just to change up things or something, but I really feel like yeah, the the point of it is, or that's, yeah, it's part of the, the improvising, the composition styles of or individual voices. Is there any sort of ideas or musical visions you might have that you haven't been able to realize, or more like if you had all the resources that you can imagine, what would you like to do? Well, yeah, I mean, sure, if we didn't have to worry about anything else and somebody just said hey here's 10 years do whatever you know compose for whomever and whatever and just like take your time figuring out how to do it and it's gonna you know like if i could have another 10 years of like developing some cool things and what would it be well i don't know i mean anything anything would be cool like trying to figure out how to write maybe for titanium riot like how could i write for them so that it sounds like something i'm hearing or i don't know or write for some really interesting people or you know people that i've met and played with and people with really specific skills and but it just feels like you'd need a lot of time and a lot of opportunities to develop to develop it like i can't Mm -hmm. just crap out this stuff and then it's great or something like i'll need to really work on it and and there's a learning curve and I'll make mistakes and then that'll be dumb or whatever. But so some time would be nice. Some time. Like, I feel like the, the way I'm composing now, it's really kind of taken me 10 years or something to figure it or for it to develop. And the stuff I just played for you is pretty old now. So there's been a couple of batches of, of stuff since then that I can't let you listen to yet, but you'll be back. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe I'll, I'll be back because we, oh, right, right, we are, we right, are in right. your place. But I don't know so, how to answer specific. Like, I don't have anything specific that I would say. I'd just be like, wow, if I, I don't know. It's hard to imagine. Just keep, I know keep, it's it, not keep it going, but more? Yeah. I mean, it's just things generally aren't realistic. Like, I, I'm not going to have a chance right. to just kind of hang out and try out stuff. 
I don't know. And also I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I like to really do my best all the time. So it's hard for me to do something that I don't really know how to do or don't feel comfortable doing. I think it would be hard to start. Like, I'd feel like I'd have to, if I want to write for some chamber group or something, I have to do so much studying and figuring out how to do that. I don't know how to write for a virtuoso violinist or something. Like, you know, that would be exciting and fun. But somehow it's not really my, I don't feel like that's my calling. Hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I just, I also, I, because I want to play, I love playing the trumpet probably more than anything. Probably in my dream composition thing, question, answer thing, it would probably involve me playing the trumpet somehow. <laughs> so, so I would have to think about that. So maybe, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. It's been great having you. Thanks. Hey. Thanks so much. Thanks for coming over. We'll go out on a tune. That I'll pick. Oh, okay. Nice. Okay. Thanks nice a million. Amazing. Bye. <laughs> All right. That's the end of the show. Thanks so much to Lena for inviting me to her kitchen and for breaking her music down for us. You can find links to Lena's music and upcoming gigs at her website, lenaalamano.com. And there's lots of good footage of her bands in action on the YouTube. The content and sound quality of this show is the sole responsibility of me, Pete Johnston. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe wherever you get these things. And more importantly, tell your friends to have a listen. You can find me on SoundCloud and on my website, PeteJohnstonMusic.com. We'll let the Lena Alamano 4 play us out here with the title song from their most recent album. This is Sometimes Why. Thank you.